Alright, good morning folks. What's cracking? It is Monday, May 8th, 2023. Welcome to episode 361 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. And I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Jose, Jesse Johnson, Carrie, Marcus Seiler, Cyber Munchkin, Jesse Johnson, all the yeets in the house, and you, the Simply Cyber community, are going to be tearing through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my opinion, my analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you, like how can you operationalize it at work? Or if you're looking to break in the industry, you will get value in here because you absolutely will be asked in any job interview in the industry, how do you stay current on relevant topics and news? And this is a fantastic answer, I would argue. Also, because a lot of people don't know this, I have not seen these stories in advance. You will be getting my raw initial reaction, my initial thoughts and analysis on the story. So it's all about good times. We'll see where it goes from here. Before we get into it, though, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with my good friend, Eric Taylor, Casually Joseph, and the entire team over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. What's up, Alex Goodwin? Good to see you here. If you go to Barricade Cyber's website, just scroll on down to the bottom. Here is Eric's calendar. You can giddy up on it and have a meeting with him. I know Eric's pretty busy this week, but you can get on his calendar for next week. Get on there, set it up. I'm telling you, you'll be so happy that you've done it in advance before you get hit with a ransomware attack. Also want to say shout out and love to Panopsi, guys. Panopsi Security, Brandon Poole's company, is all about good times and all about great information security. But one of the services that they provide, yeah, buddy, try hack me coming at you, Advent of Cyber. Listen, Panopti Security can do quantified risk assessments, which are fantastic. They're fact-based, statistically sound uh, risk assessments that any business can use to inform where they should be actually spending their money. But Jerry, spending money's easily. Yeah, yeah, spending money is wicked easy, but like, where are you putting it? Are you actually like duplicating controls you already have in your environment? I know businesses that have multiple EDR solutions, usually through acquisition or mergers or some other stuff, but guess what? You don't need multiple EDR solutions. That's a waste of money. With a quantified risk assessment, you will get a review of your people, your process, your tech stack, what your uh, current threat model looks like, what you know, industry, size of your, industry, uh, size of your business, etc., and get prescriptive guidance on how to reduce cyber risk in a meaningful, deliberate, cost-effective way. I'm telling you, quantified risk assessments, it's the new hotness. <laughs> also want to say shout out and love to XM Cyber, but we'll hear more about them at the mid-roll and their 2023 uh, exposure management report. Guys, I want to thank you all for being here. If you're live with me right now, 125 of you crowding in here. We got more coming by the end of the show, I assume. Hashtag team live in chat would genuinely appreciate it. Let us know that you're here with us today. Also, if you're watching on replay, hashtag team replay in the comments uh, down below on YouTube or LinkedIn. Definitely love, especially uh, the YouTube, uh, going through the comments, the team replay folks. I usually do it at the end of the day. Um, and just say hi or throw a little heart on the uh, comment. I genuinely appreciate you. I know there's some people who are, you know, consistent team replay people and team replay people are people too. So I, I do 
Uh, appreciate all of you. Your team hybrid, you get here late, you're, you're 2x in the speed of the show, so you can get here faster. Making me sound like a chipmunk or something like that. <laughs> uh, hashtag team hybrid in chat. We'll see you when you get here live with us. And finally, my favorite, hashtag passive observer. If you're shy, imposter syndrome, uh, introverted socially, um, you know, you just found us and you're like, wow, look at all these people talking. I don't, you know, I'm a little reluctant to say what's up. What's up, Rachel from South Africa? Good to see you. Go ahead and hit hashtag passive observer in chat. All, all you got to do is type hashtag passive observer. Take your first step towards socially networking in a professional capacity. Believe me, networking is incredibly, incredibly valuable. Like your, your mileage may vary, but just start now, begin investing, plant those seeds, water those seeds, nurture those seeds, and they will grow into beautiful flowers that you will be able to smell, show, enjoy, and eventually, um, you know, gain value from, okay? You might be helping someone out. They might be helping you out. Uh, like, fun fact, true story. I got a call on Friday from somebody in my professional network who asked me if I was interested in a really big deal. <laughs> like like a multi-year, very, uh, very lucrative business. Uh, hardworking deal and uh it, it was a phone call you know what i mean it's like it, it was definitely through a um like you wouldn't be able to google this thing you know what i'm saying so i'm telling you networking is wicked valuable super huge tinatini sandro tinatini sandro Schville, Schville, hashtag passive observer good to see you good to see you over on linkedin as well all right, guys, definitely super, super excited, super happy. Remember, each episode of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So be sure to take a screenshot or, you know, definitely say what's up in chat so you can um, have evidence that you're here. That's why, like, literally, it's one of the reasons why I burn it into the stream over on the side over there because I want there to be a forensically sound record that can be audited by anyone. All right, guys, it is Monday. It's Callan's Art of the Week day. Every single day of the week has a little special segment. Today is Callan's Art of the Week. Uh, some of you uh, Star Wars fans are going to like this one, so stay tuned for the mid-roll where we'll be checking that out. All right, guys. Without further ado, let's slide over into the top cyber news of the day. Sit back, relax, and let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over you in an awesome wave. I'll see you all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Monday, May 8, 2023. Top U.S. cyber official warns AI may be the most powerful weapon of our time. CISA Director Jen Easterly, speaking on Friday yeah, at a security Jen. summit at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, warned that artificial intelligence may be both the most powerful capability of our time and the most powerful weapon of our time. She highlighted a scenario in which how-to guides, AI-generated imagery, and auto-generated shopping lists are available for terrorists and criminals, providing the capability to develop things like cyber weapons, chemical weapons, and bioweapons, adding that those are not even the worst-case scenario. She suggested that AI companies should break that, quote, decades-long vicious cycle of technological innovation at the expense of security, end quote. Yep. 
All right, Jen Easterly, bring in the heat, y'all. Okay, couple of things. I, I've been I've been thinking like guys. I've been using AI. All right, I at Mid Journey for my thumbnails and um, ChatGPT. I'm making a whole series of videos. I I don't even know if you guys know this. Like like, and I apologize because I've been making a lot of produced videos lately, and I there's ones that are in different phases of the life cycle. So I'm not sure which ones I've published and which I haven't, which I know sounds ridiculous, but I just, I, I too much going on. I'm doing a series of chat GPT videos, like probably like three or four videos in a row. Um, one is definitely coming this Wednesday. I think I maybe did one last Wednesday. Um, but you know, like I'm all up in chat GPT's business. Now here's the thing. Here is the real deal, okay, guys? ChatGPT is just a tool. Now, like, this this article right here, top U.S. cyber might be the most powerful weapon of our time, 100%. This isn't even addressing the fact that AI might become self-aware, okay, and become Skynet. Like, that's not even what's in the context of this story at all. This story is just saying that at your fingertips, at your disposal... You can have it make, hey, I want to create, you know, uh, toxin gas or, or VX gas, whatever, whatever that poison was in the movie The Rock, like that, like unofficial James Bond movie with Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery, right? Like you could be like, oh, I want to make that. And then like, give me a shopping list. Tell me where to go. Tell me how to assemble it. Tell me how to deploy it, right? And ChatGPT can hook you up like that, right? So it literally super reduces the barrier to entry for anyone biochemicals cyber weapons etc uh cody kinsey said on his show uh security fwd the other day or hacking with friends i forget what he calls it um somebody was able to trick chat gpt into giving the recipe for napalm um so there are ways to uh circumvent the safeguards inside these tools in order to trick it to tell you things that it probably shouldn't tell you um, it mods, if you can, I, I saw it yesterday on Twitter, I think Jason Haddix, who's like a famous, um, bug bounty pen tester, web app security researcher. He's like, to me, he's like hands down the premier web app pen tester. Uh, Jason Haddix actually messaged out that there's going to be a like prompt engineering or hacking with prompt engineering um talk somewhere i i know that's a terrible thing to ask the mods to go find since i just barely gave context but if you look at haddock's twitter feed i think you'll find it it looks really really interesting super cool all right Whew. all of these things are what i'm saying now here's the problem guys just like a nuclear weapon in the 1930s late 30s early 40s when the united states got the the weapon right it was an arms race and the weapon was so freaking powerful that it ended, it ended a world war, right? I mean, it, it, like literally we dropped one and Japan was like, ah, and then we dropped another one and they were like, no mas, no mas, right? And then we crushed uh, Germany. So it, it, a weapon of massive power can just wield incredible, incredible national power. Now, what's the problem here? Well, nation states aren't the ones who own the technology like they did in World War II. Businesses, big tech, which I've been railing on for months here, that big tech is now like the gilded, the new gilded age. They're the power brokers, okay? 
And when Google sees Microsoft's acquisition or merger with OpenAI and integrating ChatGPT's capabilities into Bing, Google sees this as an existential threat. Like Google's like, holy crap, we better figure this out or we're going to go out. I mean, it's hyperbolic to say go out of business, but Google has dominated for a decade or more. Like it's where you go. It's the homepage of so many people. And if Microsoft, if, if, if you Google like, hey, how do I, how do I change my car battery? Right. And then you got to like go through the search results, click on a few thumbnails. Like, no, you can just ask ChatGPT to explain perfectly how to change the battery on a 2017 Chevy Colorado. Right. And it'll just dump it out. You don't have to do that extra step, which is why Google's like, oh, holy crap, we got to go because we're, we're in trouble. Now, what does this mean? It's all about straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. So it's a race to the bottom now by these big tech companies. You can't tell Google. You can't tell Google like, hey, this AI thing's pretty crazy. We should probably slow down because Google's like looking across the table at Microsoft and is like, are you freaking kidding me? I'm not slowing down. This dude's going to crush me over here. Right. And then, um, you know, whoever micro uh, like just, you know, uh, what's another one? Uh, like, say, Amazon, like Amazon's like, no, like, dude, we, we have infinite money. There's no way in heck we're going to not develop this. And then look at our, look at countries like China, right? Which is like trying to make a play for like massive, you know, first world power, new world order kind of thing. You think China's going to be like, oh my God, you're right. This AI thing's wicked powerful. We should probably hold off on that. No, are you kidding me? No. So I, I, I said it when it happened. We now live like Welcome aboard. This is the dawn of the AI age. Hands down, full stop. Like we were in the information age. We're now in the AI age. I, I really, really hope. Uh, I, I, I don't know, honestly, how you control this. I don't know how you regulate this. I don't know. Um, and again, we're not even talking about the fact that this has nothing to do with AI becoming self-aware, which is an even another complete scary, scary threat. Okay. I feel strong about this one, y'all. Way to go, Jen Easterly. Ex-Uber CSO given three-year probation sentence avoids prison after guilty verdict. Former Uber Chief Security Officer Joe Sullivan was given three years probation by a U.S. federal judge on Thursday following a headline-grabbing conviction last year over his handling of a data breach. A federal jury convicted Sullivan of two charges related to his attempted cover-up of a 2016 security incident at Uber, where hackers stole the personal details of 57 million customers and the personal information of 600,000 Uber drivers. Sullivan paid the two hackers $100,000 and made them sign non-disclosure agreements, but did not inform the FTC as required. U.S. District Judge William Oreck noted Sullivan's significant past work in protecting people from the sort of crime he later concealed. He also said that Sullivan's steps had succeeded in keeping the stolen data from being exposed. Interesting. Ransomware. Okay, so this was a major story a while ago. Um, <laughs> Justice Sullivan, um, former CISO at Uber, tried to, tried to hide a, a, a cyber attack. Uh, Uber, a publicly traded company. It, shareholders, investors have a right to know what's going on with the company. This probably was thought to potentially affect the stock price. So the board or the executive team at Uber said, oh, we'll just pay the uh, hackers. We'll have them sign an NDA and we'll just go about our business. Now, once the hacker signed the NDA, they then turned around and told everybody about it, completely violating the NDA. 
Now, the fact that you were going to have the hackers sign an NDA and think for even a moment they were going to honor it, I got two things for you. One, and two, are you joking me? Like, there was no way the hackers were going to honor that. Um, And I guess maybe you were just executing your playbook, um, thinking like, oh, this is like any other... Um, this is like any other, uh, contractor or deal and everybody will do what they're supposed to do. Now, the important thing here is that Sullivan is not receiving any jail time. Okay. He's been given, and I, I'm actually really happy about this. He was given a three year probation sentence. So my, my understanding of very limited, uh, us penal code type stuff, cause I don't know any, um, is that for the next three years, if he commits a crime, um, he'll 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 be held accountable for this crime as well. That's kind of my understanding. It's like uh, it's like a finger wag, like don't do that again, or like naughty, 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 right? So we'll we'll see what happens. I'm sure Sullivan's going to keep his nose clean on this one. It also says that the judge had received um, 186 letters from CISOs. Uh, you know, 50 of them were from CISOs defending Sullivan's action and staying. If you like send him to jail, it's going to, it's going to send a, um, it's going to set a precedent that is no good. Um, it's going to set a precedent that's no good for other judges to hold CISOs, um, kind of like accountable for their actions like that. Now you got to remember guys, um, if you're new to the industry looking to break in or you're, you're relatively new to the industry, something that is very important to know is the following chief. There's a philosophical debate between who is responsible for information security and who is accountable for information security. And you might be like, well, aren't those words synonyms? They're not. I am firmly in the camp that a chief information security officer is responsible for advising the business, right? Like I advise the business, hey, we've got a threat of ransomware, we can implement uh, backups and we can implement MFA and we can do security awareness education and EDR. And I believe that these things will reduce our likelihood of being ransomware to an acceptable level. Now it's the business's turn. It's my it's my job as chief information security officer to properly communicate and convey the situation and what the options are. It's the business or the CEO um, responsibility to say, okay, um, let's do that plan, or we don't have enough money. Here's some like here's like, you know that plan costs eighty grand. Here's ten grand. Do the best you can, right? Okay. Well, for ten grand, I can do awareness training and get a really crappy EDR. All right, here we go. And then we get hit with ransomware. It's not my responsibility. Like, yeah, I don't want it to happen, but at the end of the day, I it, it, I'm executing within the confines and the constraints that was given to me by the business. We serve the business. Okay, so some other people might say that a chief information security officer is accountable for information security and they they're supposed to figure it out. But at the end of the day, if you don't control, if you don't, the business isn't going to give you infinite money. Right. Just like a quantified risk assessment tells you where to spend your money effectively. um, You can't you can't to me, you can't be accountable for something if you don't have full control over it. Right. Like. Period. Okay. so anyways, long story short, Sullivan, obviously. didn't have full control over this. Also, some people believe he was scapegoated by, you know, basically everybody in the room pointing their finger at Sullivan thinking like, oh, like he did it, you know, and, and, 
it worked out. Uh, all right. The good news is he's not going to jail. Uh, B sex saying I would go even as far as say the CEO's responsibility. You can tell people what to do and not, but Carl will do stupid things. Yeah, exactly. That's why information security is everybody's responsibility. But when you have diffusion of responsibility, it becomes nobody's responsibility. Group behind Oakland attack targets city in Massachusetts. The cybercrime group that launched a devastating attack on the city of Oakland has taken credit for yet another breach of a local government, this time naming the Massachusetts city of Lowell as its latest victim. The city, home to more than 111,000 people and about a half-hour drive from Boston, announced a, quote, cyber-related incident, end quote, on April 24th that disrupted its network and impacted, quote, a variety of systems, end quote. City officials said they decided to segment the affected technology but admitted that servers, networks, phones, and other systems throughout the city became inaccessible. The city's 911 fire and emergency phone systems were not affected by the attack. On Wednesday evening, the Play ransomware group took credit for the attack, claiming to have stolen an undisclosed amount of data that includes personal data, passports, government IDs, financial documents, budgets, departmental files, and more. The gang said it would release the stolen data on May 10th. All right. So um, another municipality hit, right? Dallas is still recovering. Oakland um, probably is recovering. Minneapolis, Baltimore back in the day. Atlanta even further back in the day. I think Atlanta was 2018. Uh, Lowell, you know, this one's closer to my, you know, near and dear to my heart, right? Lowell's more North Mass uh, or North Boston and um, not where I grew up, but... Uh, you know, I feel for it. It doesn't matter, though. With all due respect, it doesn't matter. It could be Lowell, Mass. It could be Charleston, South Carolina. It could be Dallas, Texas. It could be nowhere, Utah, right? Um, threat. And, and by the way, the interesting thing also is that the ransomware groups aren't consistent. It's not like the royal ransomware is the one that's like going after the municipalities and the uh, law enforcement need to focus their efforts on that ransomware group. This is play ransomware. I believe Dallas was royal ransomware. Um, the Oakland one, I believe was vice society, right. Or, uh, Minneapolis was definitely Medusa. So you, you've got, you know, all these different threat actor groups, all of them attacking these municipalities, which frankly are under budgeted, uh, understaffed. They likely don't have information security professionals working there. They likely have one or two it people working there. This is a fairly common approach to managing it at, um, in 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 city like local government basically right so not good easy targets uh we don't we never really get any information on what the um tech stack or what the security posture was uh for these municipalities but you got to remember too like a lot of times they're matrix right so like the it department might serve like the water department and the you know city hall and fire and police and all this other stuff right they kind of just roll up um yeah, so it's not good. I'm not going to spend a terrible amount of time on it. Uh, I mean, look, you can even see the subheader here. Another day, another city, right? It's like, it's sad. It's sad. But at this point, it's like, it's it's barely newsworthy, right? It's like, oh, like, it's like hitting a speed bump. It's like, well, Lowell got hit. What's for dinner? You know you know what I mean? Like, that's that's what's going on here. So good luck recovering. Guys, this should come as yet another reminder that you should have your 
you should do tabletop exercises. You should work through what would happen if we had a ransomware attack and everybody involved, the IT people, the business, the legal, they should all take it quite seriously because it's this, this happens almost daily. Like Spartanburg, South Carolina. I forgot. They got hit a couple weeks ago, right? I will say John Strand actually posted something on Twitter yesterday that's really interesting, really funny. He said something along the lines of like, um, nothing gets you security budget faster than uh, um, than an incident or something like that. Let me, I'll pull this up during the mid-roll. Uh, I want to I find it. Anyways. Windows admins can now sign up for known issue email alerts. Microsoft announced last week that Windows admins can now choose to be emailed when new known issues are added to the Windows Release Health section of the Microsoft 365 Admin Center. After enrolling, IT admins will receive an email every time known issues are added or updated with new information, including changes in status, new workarounds, or issue resolutions. Microsoft states this is only available for those with admin roles in organizations with eligible Windows or Microsoft 365 for Business subscriptions that provide access to Windows Release Health in the Microsoft 365 Admin Center. Okay, so, I mean, this is cool. Here's my thing. Like, basically, an email alert is kind of cool because basically if something were to come onto Office 365 as a known issue, you would probably log into the tenant and look to see what it was. So this is just taking um, a step away from you and, and making it more proactive so they, they get in your inbox. Um, one thing I would say like, yeah, fine, email alerts. I, I, I wonder, this is fine. And if you're a Windows admin of an O365 tenant or an Azure admin, you absolutely should sign up for this. There's no reason for you not to want to consume this information. What I would say is I don't know how valuable this is. If anyone in chat has signed up already for this, uh, let me know. I'd be kind of curious. The second thing is um, you'd almost wish that they'd allow you to uh, have a webhook, like um, an API webhook, and basically um, doing it so instead of like getting an email, you could have it send you a Windows uh, Teams uh, message or a Slack message or you know what i mean like like there's no reason for it not to be able to be set up like that um and i just think it would it would be more flexible for different teams workflows right like um but anyways a lot of people get a lot of emails i i i myself get a lot of emails so i i think like one of these could slide right past me and i wouldn't even not not that i wouldn't notice but if i took a day off very likely i would miss this email right so I'd like them to. I'd like them to have a webhook. Um, BSEC send it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like BSEC would be like in the know on whether or not this has a webhook. But um, anyways, quick little piece of uh, action. Go sign up for this if you're a known. Um, if if you're known, if you're an Azure admin or a Windows admin, right? If you don't know if you're a Windows or Azure admin, chances are you're not. <laughs> but there's a little video here on how to do it. You can also uh, go. You know. There's steps right here, right? I'll drop this in chat. Go sign up. It'll take five minutes. Again, it's like the Simply Cyber newsletter. Sign up for it. If you don't find value in it, unsubscribe. You know, it's it's easy as that. All right, let's do the mid-roll. And now a word from our sponsor, Trend Micro. Cybersecurity is not just about protection. It's about foresight, agility, and resilience. 
Navigating a new era of cyber risk demands evolved strategies, new frameworks and integrated tools to equip security teams to anticipate and defend against even the most advanced attacks. Trend Micro, the global leader in cybersecurity, is bringing the cyber risk conversation to more than 120 cities around the world in their latest Risk to Resilience World Tour, the largest cybersecurity roadshow of its kind. Find the closest city to you and register today to take a leap towards a more resilient future. Head to trendmicro.com slash CISO series. All Dragon right. It's the mid-roll. So if you're new here, allow me to introduce you to what we do here. Hey, 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 hey. All right. Yeah. If you can take a hot minute, hit that like button. The main reason is that you're paying it forward by letting other people who are on YouTube right now that are interested in cybersecurity, which YouTube knows because it knows every query you've put into uh, YouTube search, it is identified people as interested in cybersecurity. If a bunch of cyber people, thank you, Jenny, if a bunch of cyber people are liking this, then it will push it to other cyber people. Help other people find Simply Cyber. It'll be a good time. Again, thank you to the stream sponsors. Genuinely appreciate um, Barricade Cyber and Panopsi for all they do, but also want to share with you guys XM Cyber, the exposure management company that's doing good work. Hey, James McQuiggan, good to see you. Thanks for the super chat. What? We yep. Listen, guys, organizations are overwhelmed with thousands of exposures across your cloud, on-prem, especially if you're hybrid environments, on a monthly basis. It's overwhelming. So you can efficiently reduce risk um, but it's almost impossible, right? You can try, good luck, but it's, it's very unlikely. Discover the most critical threats and practical tips on how to overcome remediation fatigue and not become apathetic towards it with a new approach to efficiently reducing risk with XM Cyber's 2023 State of Exposure Management Report. I've read the report, it's very good. It's based on uh, telemetry that XM Cyber has collected from its client base in the field from implemented solutions on real networks. So it's not it's not a lab, it's not make-believe data, it's not you know fudged data, it's real data based on real um, environments. And it's fascinating. Guys, uh, link in the description below, just click on it, download the report, give it a look. A lot of great intel and statistics in there. Um, if you do vulnerability management, if you're responsible for information security at your business, then you know how difficult it is to keep your attack surface controlled, limited, mismanaged credentials, misconfigured databases, things looking at the internet that shouldn't, Carl all, all up in there. Check out the report. It'll give you guidance and intel on what the real deal is. Also, if you got my newsletter this morning, you know how valuable it is. Also, you know the secret extra bonus tip I gave at the bottom um, that John Strand I found Saturday night. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, sign up for the newsletter um, and you can you can find out about these things, all right? SimplyCyber.io slash newsletter. It's all about good times. <clears throat> all right, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. I want to, Nathan Gaps has currently got the baton. Nathan, if you can, if you're in chat, if you can tag somebody, Guys, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, very proud of this. It is an ongoing daily challenge where one person in the Simply Cyber Community gets tagged. Uh, Nathan Gaps currently has it. Whoever he tags, please pick up the baton, go on LinkedIn, post your cyber story, and use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Tag me as well. 
Now, here's the important thing. If you are the one, if you are the one Nathan tags, you have to do the post, but all of you have a responsibility to go connect with the original poster, like a first level connection, and connect with all the individuals who comment in chat. You yourself should comment in chat. Build your professional network immediately. I'm telling you, do the work day in, day out, consistency, vigilance. By the end of the year, you're gonna have a great, strong LinkedIn network that has rich content and you can engage with in a meaningful way. Thanks for the super chat, Ken Pryor. Yep, 65 people to date have, um, have worked on it and it's all about good times. All right, it's Callan's Art of the Week, guys. Every single uh, Monday morning, uh, I share a piece of art that Callan does. Sometimes it's pottery, sometimes it's coloring, whatever. Uh, this one was his project. May the fourth be with you. He made a, a baby Groku. You can see here, we got a lightsaber right here, uh, eating a frog right here. And his friend actually made the mustache for Yoda. So this was a collaborative effort. Nice job, Callan. Thank you so much for continuing to support the show and sharing your art of the week every single Monday. All right, guys, let's slide back in. Uh, I'll check on who Nathan has tagged. Steph Clewis, Steph Clewis with a chat. Let us know, Steph, if you want to do it. Let's keep going. APT group using double clean app technique to target gambling industry. An advanced persistent threat actor known as Dragon Breath has been observed adding new layers of complexity to its attacks by adopting a novel DLL side-loading mechanism. Quote, the attack is based on a classic side-loading attack consisting of a clean application, a malicious loader, and an encrypted payload with various modifications made to these components over time, end quote, said Sophos researcher Gabor Sabanos. Sabanos continued, quote, the latest campaigns add a twist in which a first-stage clean application side-loads a second clean application and auto-executes it. The second clean application side-loads the malicious loader DLL. After that, the malicious loader DLL executes the final payload, end quote. Fortinet warns... Okay. Just so you know, before anyone says it, um, this graphic doesn't do it for me, okay? Um, Dragon Breath, a.k.a. Flaming Donkey, just kidding. Um, Dragon Breath is an, is an APT that I hadn't heard of. It looks like it's Chinese-based. I'm going to get into the actual technique that they're using here in a second. But what's important to note is they're targeting the gambling industry. Guys, gambling, uh, casinos, stuff like that, they actually have incredibly great information security, right? Like, as you would imagine... Um, you don't hear about them too often. You don't hear about them being targeted very often. They have robust security. I know some people that work in the gaming sector in Atlantic City, and it's legit. It's super legit, okay? Now, let's talk about what this uh, APT, a.k.a. GoldenEye, AP, AP, a, a.k.a. Uh, Dragon Breath. I guess Dragon Breath is just the campaign that they're operating under. Here's the deal. It does a double dip DLL side load strategy. What the heck does that mean, Jerry? Okay, two things. And this this one is like a little bit of a, um, I wanna take a step back and explain what a DLL side load attack is. And this is, you know, if you know what it is, then just chill for a second. Not everybody knows. And I want everyone to understand because we're seeing more DLL side load attacks more often. <clears throat> it's important to know. Okay, so check it out. 
when you run a program like Microsoft Word, okay, like you, you download it, you open it on your, your computer, right? Or you, you, you load Notepad, okay, whatever it is. Whenever you run that, instead of applications being wicked fat, meaning like um, heavy, uh, like a large size uh, application, they will take advantage of existing libraries, existing libraries on the operating system, okay? So instead of every application needing to be able to access network resources, for example, there's just a network resource library on the Windows operating system. And all applications, right? So whether you're Microsoft writing code for Microsoft or you're Apple writing code or you're um, BSEC writing code, right? Like whoever it is, you don't need to worry about network setting up network connections because you can just take advantage of a linked library on the Windows operating system. We know about these, right? Okay, so here's the deal. Because of that, those you, you dynamically link them. If you've ever tried to run a program and you get an error about a missing library, it's because the program is trying to reach out to something that it's expecting to be on the machine and it's not there and the program can't work because it's not there, right? So this makes uh, applications light, lightweight, easy to run, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the thing is, when you run that application and it reaches out for like a network linked library to build a network connection or whatever, it does. It it just grabs that DLL. It's expecting it, and I'm I'm being simple here for the example, but it's expecting to find network.dll, right? It's expecting like in the code it says go to network.dll. Now, if I've gotten on your machine and I've compromised it and I've deleted network.dll, you're obviously going to get an error and it's not going to work. But let's be more crafty than that. Let's replace it with a new file, a malicious file that we've created called network.dll. The application is going to reach and say, there it is, let's run it, let's bring it in. Now, if you add to it, so it still does the network configuration, but it's also doing information stealing and key logging and all these other things, well then there you go. And this is what a, essentially a side load attack is. You're, 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 you're replacing uh, a DLL or you're, mo you're taking a modified DLL. This is why code signing is critically important because it'll reach and like if, if you do it well, it'll reach and it'll say, Give me network DLL. Here's network DLL. Wait a minute. Is it the right network DLL? Right? And then, no, it's not. Well, let's, let's stop everything. Okay? But no one's really doing that. What this has done is it goes to network DLL, right? And then network DLL is going to call another application. And that's where the malicious one is. So I don't know why they're doing two stages of clean application and sideloading it. My, my, um, my, if I had to guess, I'm guessing that EDRs, are probably looking at the first stage DLL, like any main application that's calling a DLL, they'll check that DLL to verify it. And they're probably not going one level deeper. So if a DLL calls a DLL, uh, inception style, uh, maybe they're not checking that. And that's the, um, that's how the threat actors are circumventing EDR solutions because the EDR isn't going down the, 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 the trail to look at all the DLLs that get loaded in. Um, long story short, short, um, you're getting compromised, uh, because of it. And it's obviously resulting in some impact. I didn't hear what the, the impact was. Um, um, is it, okay. So it has a backdoor capable of downloading malware, whatever, like that's pretty normal. Um, stealing MetaMask. Okay. So 
even though it's attacking uh, gaming sector, it looks like it's just a straight cash grab. All right. Straight cash, homie. At the end of the day, guys, you got to ask, what is the intent? What is the motivation of the threat actor? And in this case, it's straight cash, homie. Spike in attacks against TBK DVR devices. FortiGuard Labs researchers are warning of a spike in malicious attacks targeting TBK DVR devices. TBK Vision is a video surveillance company that provides network CCTV devices and other related equipment, including DVRs, for the protection of critical infrastructure facilities. Threat actors are attempting to exploit a five-year-old authentication bypass issue, tracked as CVE 2018-9995, with a CVSS score of 9.8 in these devices. A remote attacker can trigger the flaw to obtain administrative privileges and eventually gain access to camera video feeds. According to the company, they have over 600,000 cameras and 50,000 recorders installed all over the world, in multiple sectors, including banking, retail, and government. Okay, a couple things. One, one, I, and I hate to be such a nerd about this, but like uh, right here in the story, it says the NIST. It, that's not pro it's not the nist it's just nist it, like we don't say the nist okay and like that's a that's a pro tip for everybody out there don't say the nist okay it's just nist where's my i heart nist i it, see even the emote it the emote doesn't say i heart the nist right okay enough, enough flipping out over uh <laughs> over simple things Fortinet is warning about an attack. So Fortinet is a firewall company. They, they obviously, they're not being compromised. Fortinet has just got a ton of telemetry and they are seeing, it probably was written. Shall we play a game? That's right. Yeah, that is right. So Fortinet's a firewall company, networking company. They get, have a lot of telemetry. They are seeing a spike in activity around um, a five-year-old authentication bug for these DVR devices. Ultimately, these are online um, devices that are the interface and kind of management plane for uh, closed circuit TV systems, including, um, you know, like like banking CCTV. Like think about like the eye in the sky in the casinos or um, like a, like an oil and gas plant where it's like, you know, you want like cameras everywhere to be able to for employee safety and stuff like that. Um, and they're seeing an uptick in activity. So here's a couple things. One, this has been around for five years. So really you've had more than enough time to address it Two, Um, if you have this and you haven't done it, you should probably be mindful of it. Um, you might ask, well, what's the big deal, right? Like, okay. I, they could do a couple things. One, they can get into your closed circuit TV and wipe it out. So you lose all your backup videos. They can, they can blink like in a mission impossible movie. They could turn it off and then commit the crime and then turn it back on. And the, the surveillance tapes aren't there, right? That's kind of like a, like a dramatic over sensationalized scenario. They might be able, and this is really likely, they might be able to use it as a foothold into your organization, right? Um, if it's on your network, they can get into your network, right? Like obviously like I take over this and then I pivot, move laterally, look at the cyber kill chain, not the Lockheed Martin one, but the one that has iterations in it, moving laterally and gaining persistence. This is what we do. This is how threat actors operate. So it could be an initial foothold. I don't understand why there's been a massive uptick in activity. It sounds like potentially some threat actor focused energy and efforts onto exploiting this particular vulnerability 
and just set an automated script um, to scan the internet looking for these things. Uh, you can see Captain Alpha here, who I don't know, but I, I, I like him. Captain Alpha here has a couple graphics in his tweet. The bottom left one is from Shodan. Shodan.io, which I'm going to type in chat right now. Shodan.io. If you don't know Shodan.io, you need to know Shodan.io. Go like open a new tab right now and, and type in Shodan.io and then come back to it later. If you're on mobile, I guess just take a mental note, Shodan.io. It is a powerful website that scans every um, IP address on the internet, right? Guys, IP, like really quickly, IPv4, IP addresses, right? You might be familiar with like 192.168.1.1 for your home network or whatever. There's four octets in an IP address. They are always between one, well, really, they're between zero and 255, okay? 0.0.0.0 .0 .0 .0 to 255, 255, 255, 255. That is the entire finite space of IP addresses. You cannot have like a 327 dot anything. So if you know what every single IP address can be, then you can scan, right? So Shodan goes, go to 0.0.0.0. What's there? Go to 0.0.0.1. What's there? All the way up to go to 255, 255, 255, 255, what's there, right? Now, I'm being super simple, right? So please don't flame me in chat right now about 0.0.0.0 not being a real IP address. Like, I get it. And there's there's private IP addresses. 127.0.0.1 is a local host, right? There's 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 ones that are probably not in Shodan's scan. But my point is, that's what Shodan's doing. And, by the way, it's trivial for Shodan to know... It's trivial for Shonen to know what IP addresses are running this closed circuit TV because th the thing has a fingerprint. There's no question, right? You can see here there's 55,000 instances of this. Now, the one thing I will say is this Shonen query right here, you may look at it and go, oh my, 55,000, that seems terrible. But dude, all he's looking for is login.rsp, which is probably um, unique enough, but it doesn't tell you whether or not the system is vulnerable to this exploit, right? So just just be mindful. It's probably, I would bet an amount of money, I'd bet my mortgage that um, there's less than 55,930 of these uh, vulnerable systems out there. Okay, and that's, that's, that's the story. The more you know, Shodan. New decoy dog malware toolkit uncovered targeting enterprise networks. An analysis of over 70 billion DNS records has led to the discovery of a new sophisticated malware toolkit dubbed Decoy Dog targeting enterprise networks. As its name implies, it is evasive and employs techniques like strategic domain aging and DNS query dribbling, wherein a series of queries are transmitted to the command and control domains so as not to arouse any suspicion. Quote, Decoy Dog is a cohesive toolkit with a number of highly unusual characteristics that make it uniquely identifiable, particularly when examining its domains on a DNS level, end quote, said Infoblocks, adding that its atypical characteristics allowed it to map additional domains that are part of the attack infrastructure. All right. So I haven't heard about this one. Uh, Decoy Dog, very rare DNS signature, da-da-da-da-da-da. Um... Okay. Okay, a couple things here. Um, 
I'm just reading about this. Okay, it looks like it's some type of C2 framework. Um, it says malware toolkit decoy dog, but it to me it seems like a C2 framework. Okay, um, guys, I am not a offensive security professional. I just play one on TV. Um, couple things. One, whenever a threat actor group or red team or pen tester or whatever, um, like. In the movies, they hack right into one machine and they're like, in their best 90s hacker voice, I'm in, right? Where's my hacker man emotes? Can I get some hacker man emotes in chat, please? Right? That's how they do it in the movies. But in reality, what they do is they compromise a box, whether social engineer, technical exploitation, whatever. And then once they get control of the box, they will install um, a payload that will allow it to communicate with its C2 infrastructure, the command and control infrastructure. So think of me, think of me at a dashboard and I'm like, you know, operating the dashboard and I got a bunch of screens up, right? And it's like, this is BSEC's machine that I own. This is Joel Belton's machine that I own. This is Kimberly's machine that I own, right? Again, I'm simplifying this. So please do not flame me in chat about how you would not have one dedicated terminal for each compromised host. I get it. But my point is you'd have all these things. Now, if you want to do something on Kimberly's machine, how do you do it? You interface through the C2 command and control, right? So you, you basically um, kind of abstract out the, the way that you interface with these machines, right? And you don't want a persistent connection between you and Kimberly's machine because that, that's very loud and obvious in the logs. So that C2 payload every once in a while it will beacon out, beacon, 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 right? Check out Rita from Black Hills Information Security if you want, but beacon out and say, hey, do you have anything for me? Hey, do you have anything for me, right? It's, it's, and you can have it beacon every 10 seconds, every 30 seconds. Sometimes people will install multiple C2s, right? One that beacons every 30 seconds, one that beacons once a week, one that beacons every six months. That way, if someone finds it, they unearth it, they uncork it, they get it out of there. Well, you're still embedded. It's just going to take a few months for it to show back up. And people are going to think, oh, we're good. We're clean. We're good to go. And in reality, you're still compromised. Okay. So the C2 um, is how you communicate. Now, how do we do that? You can do it over HTTP. You can do it over DNS. You can do it a bunch of different ways. Now, the one thing I'll say about this, and I actually wanted to know more about C2 frameworks myself. So what I did was I watched a video, and some of you may know this because I posted on like Twitter or LinkedIn or one of those last weekend, the weekend before this last one. I went and watched a Red Siege video from Tim Medine and Mike Saunders. And in chat, if you got this one, it's uh, it's called it's something like how to choose a C2 framework. It is an excellent, excellent live stream. And if you want a baseline of what C2s are and really understand them, again, I'm not a pen tester. I'm not a professional offensive security person, but as a practitioner, I needed to know more about C2s. Like, namely, why are there so many C2s? Like, isn't it like one C2 to rule them all? And, and C2 being like, um, Cobalt Strike, Bishop Fox, Sliver, um, uh, Metasploit's got one, right? So, so there's different reasons. I'd recommend you go check out that video. Uh, it's wicked good. Um, and during jaw jack and I'll pull it up if someone hasn't pulled it up. Anyways, long story short, this decoy dog is just using DNS as a C2 framework. That's all it is. Like it says malware toolkit, but it's not really a malware toolkit to me. 
to me, it's a malware toolkit in that it can pull down malware from a threat actor. That's it. It's a C2 instance. There you go, off and running. The final thing I'll say, and this is another one to, uh, to uh, put in, in your pipe and smoke it or put it in your backpack and pull it out when you need it, is Mike Saunders, who I don't know his experience, but he's clearly very confident and a senior pen tester. He said in that C2 video, DNS as a communication vehicle for your C2 is incredibly effective if the victim or defending organization is not looking at C2, um, excuse me, is not looking at DNS. If they are looking at DNS, they will see it immediately. So that was a really interesting takeaway from that video is like, if you're not looking at DNS for C2 activity, then chances are uh, it's, a, it's a great, great vehicle for your C2. And if you are looking for it, it'll be very obvious. So decoy dog using DNS, there you go. Now, last week in ransomware. Last week's ransomware news has been dominated by a royal ransomware attack on the city of Dallas that took down part of its IT infrastructure. Also last week, extortionists taunted Western Digital by leaking emails and documents of their response to its cyber attack. Pediatric mental health provider Brightline disclosed they suffered a clop go anywhere breach. Alf V Black Cat claimed to have attacked Constellation software and Avus Locker hijacked Bluefield University's emergency campus alert system to send SMS texts and email alerts to staff and students about their data being stolen. Hmm. We've got another All right, as as usual as usual on Monday um, do a little bit of a ransomware roundup. Guys, I'm not going to spend a terrible amount of time in here. Higher ed's getting hit, municipalities are getting hit. I mean, it's like, it, dude, it's a day that ends in Y. People are getting hit all over the place. Find your industry, find your sector, find your area of the country, find whatever, and there's a ransomware story for you. So dig in here, get it on your, um, in your slides, make, you know, make the business aware of it. Ransomware is still the, um, you know, number one threat. It's the Michael Jordan of malware, right? It, it's, it's, it's number one. It's it's ever present, right? Or you could think of it as um, oh god, what's something that's like widespread, that's like almost ubiquitous? It, it's um, whatever. <laughs> it's the ring doorbell of ransomware. It's it's everywhere. Okay, it's the Android mobile operating system of malware. You come up with your own metaphors. You get it. My my point is, uh, I'm not going to spend any more time on this because it's it's just we we talk about it all the time. All right, check this out. All right, guys, I want to thank you all for being here. I just want to remind everybody later today at 4 p.m. Eastern time, before you get out of here, before you get going, how many of you are here? 264 of you, my friends. Before you get out of here, if you're interested at 4 p.m. Eastern time today, so in seven hours from now, you could set your watch to it, right? Everybody synchronize watches at the same time. I will be playing Haiku Pro live. You will be able for free to sign in and play the same capture the flag cyber range as me i do this every other monday on stream if you would like to play and have a fun come out if you want to learn come out what i do is the, the range should take like 15 minutes to play but what i do is i play it over the course of an hour and i break down what am i doing why am i doing it how does it relate to real life how does it relate to threat actor behavior I forget which range I'm doing today. I, I had picked it out. I think um, I'll have to go back and look. Uh, it's a free range, though. And uh, I explain what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. So if you're 
wanting to learn. It's basically an instructor-led training session, an instructor-led lab. I enjoy the crap out of it. It's a good time. So uh, come hack with me. That's that's the TLDR here. All right. Now, if you were here just for the news, I bid you good day. Have a wonderful Monday. Uh, all the best. And uh, we'll see you at 4 p.m. Eastern or tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time if you want to just do the news. Now, for those of you who want to hang out and do some jaw jacking, let's do that. Um, now, I would pull up my YouTube view history, but I'd probably horrify you. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what would come up. Um, but let me take a look really quickly at Jason Haddock's Twitter feed, because I'm pretty sure that's where he did it, that chat GPT thing. Here's Jason Haddock's. Oh, Jason Haddock's follows me. Woo! That's very cool. I did not know Jason Haddock's. Oh, here's 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 the story. Um, here's what I was telling you about, guys. This is what I'm gonna check this out, okay? Hacker, hack a prompt. Um is this what is this? Hold on. I thought it was like a talk or something. It's a CTF. Goes like alright, so whatever. Here I thought it was a talk, but it's a CTF. Okay, there's a link to that. Um I can at that time, but do you post the live video to rewatch? Yes. Erica, Erica over on LinkedIn. Um, every single video that I make for Simply Cyber is always available on replay, whether it's the morning briefing, my Thursday lives, my Let's Play hacks, all of them always available. That is a imperative for me. Now let's do the um, uh, C2, uh, Red Siege C2. Let's see what's up. Uh, yeah, this is it right here. Hold on one second. Let me see. Let me just confirm that this is the right video. Uh, yeah, this is right. So C2 Frameworks. Guys, it's like an hour long. And it's... it's I don't want to say it's a master class. But like I got a ton of value out of this. Um, so give it a shot if you're interested. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, there was. Thank you, James Randolph. Longtime Simply Cyber community member, James Randolph. Uh, like, I'm getting called out a little bit. Yes. So there was one instance that had to do with China and Finfrock, and, uh, and it got a little spicy. And uh, I, I pulled it down. Um, I, I pulled it down. But that's, I think that's the only instance of anything I pulled down. <laughs> so, wow. Simply Cyber community members have good memory. You guys are like, uh, you know, elephants, right? And elephants that have good memories. I will tell you, there's a stream on Simply Cyber about tattoos. Um, that was a good one. What's up, Haircut Fish? Good to see you. Shalonda Glenn, good to see you. Kimberly, good to see you. Oh, good. I'm glad, Arthur. I was happy to see Husky Hacks hacking uh, hack the Appalachian Trail, hiking the Appalachian Trail. Um. Oh, cool. Peter Lee just got new ink on Star Wars Day. Very, very cool. Hey, Alana. Good to see you. Hey, Devin. Good to see you. Lego sec up in the house. Ms. Julian, good to see you. It's been a minute. How you doing?
Yeah, the Bandit Yeti. I was very, very um, honored, and uh, I felt immense um, appreciation when TriHackMe asked me to be part of the advent of Cyber 2022. Oh my god, so Tom Bishop's asking about the studio. Guys, I've got a major update on the studio. So, uh, Electrical came in yesterday, and uh, we are, we're hot, and we've got data into the shed, so that's good. Um, Yesterday afternoon, I installed insulation into the shed, and I didn't stretch. I've got a 43-year-old body, which is not conducive to, like, doing this and staples and all that, and uh, I still think I'm, like, 20 so I do, I do things like I'm 20, but uh, I woke up this morning. Put it this way. This morning I had a cup of coffee, an apple fritter, <laughs> three Advil. That was my breakfast. Uh, and my body does feel kind of stiff still. Uh, I got to finish the insulation. Um, but next weekend, drywall goes up and HVAC gets installed. And then all I have to do is throw paint on. Uh, Mrs. Osier and I are going to put a floor in. And we are off and running, guys. Off and running. So we should be in the shed um, probably end of the month. The, the one sad thing is the one sad thing is that we are going on an extended trip, uh, a five-week-long trip. Um, so I'll be in a remote mobile studio for five weeks. And unfortunately, I suspect that we're going to finish the shed. <laughs> we're going to finish the shed. And then immediately get in the car and go on an extended uh, trip. So we'll do the best we can, uh, but that's the deal. I'm a runner, though, so I do like running. It's just you don't use any of the same muscles when you run that you do for hanging insulation. (laughs) Um, Cherry juice is anti-inflammatory. Okay. What kind of flooring are we going with? It's going to be like engineered wood floor so it's going to look like a wood floor but it's uh much more resilient and um can can take up some damage and stuff like that so we'll see um i do i mean i'm 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 documenting uh all of this so you know i have i have plans to have a video uh for you all but let me i can just maybe i can show you all on stream real quick um that work hold on what you, oh wait that so that's the channel that the electrical guy had to dig um to, to run power to the thing um I, i'm sure this is fascinating watching me go through my phone um <laughs> also in my phone <laughs> john hammond walking um okay, here we go Uh, it's not super fascinating when it's just the um, the, the dry build out, but it, it's there. So I'm super excited, guys. Super excited. See if I can here. This is what it's going to look like on the outside. Okay. So, all right. What else we got? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't free. <laughs> On week four of yoga transformation, my body's so happy. Amazing how a little movement can do so much. Oh, that's great, Alana. 
I did yoga for a little bit. I, it's it's good. It's good. I, I actually do, um, like, my stretch routine from before I run is basically yoga. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, Nightshade brings up a good question. So, um, I, I'm actually going to be investing in my mobile studio. Uh, Joshua Fritter. AKA Apple Fritter. I like it. Um, yeah, I, I think for a name, we haven't really defined anything. Maybe the bungalow. Uh, I was on a run the other day and I was thinking of calling it local host, but that's a little nerdy, right? Um, yeah, thanks, John Bruno. So we'll see, guys. I, I'm, I'm going to invest in my mobile studio setup. I might buy a new laptop, more of like a a gaming laptop so something that can handle the load that i put on it with simply cyber um definitely going to buy a, a mixer so we don't have to goof around with the mixer uh and the audio and stuff like that hey uh erica bodker yes i do have children uh they're young not super young but you know they're younger and uh i guess for security it, it's really for me personally, it's all about making them aware of who they're talking to online, right? Like, it's easy. Like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta train them to know that threat actors or bad guys are going to try to convince them to give them free Robux or give them free V Bucks or follow this link or install this new download for uh, a cool map on um roblox or whatever right you gotta you gotta you gotta educate them on that piece of it because people are you know scumbags people can be horrible people and just target children and it's it's like i try to enable my kids to to be able to understand and determine for themselves um if something seems bad right a lot of you get a ton of opportunity too right like too good to be true kind of opportunities uh and i just ask my kids to ask me uh before they do something online right like dad can i friend this guy or dad can i install this thing or dad whatever uh that that to me is what i do yeah fortnite skins exactly it's ridiculous um <laughs> cyberspace that's pretty funny i like that how are we doing on time a couple minutes over that's all right actually let me check my calendar i think i have a 920. give me a sec please yeah, I got a 920. Let's see. Google came our cybersecurity entry level. What are your thoughts on it? Are you aware of it? So, okay. So I actually saw this on LinkedIn the other day, this Google cyber, Google cyber security certification, right? And I, I saw it was free, but then I also heard that after like oh, 30 days or something, you have to pay like a monthly fee to have access to it. Is that true? Or is this all free? Is anyone... I haven't done this, but um, I've heard that it's free for a certain period of time and then it costs money. Okay. I don't know if that's entirely true. Um, but anyways, guys, I, I would love to, you know what I would love to do? Uh, this might happen sooner than later. I would love to be in on my own right? Like, uh, from a, who my employer is, <laughs> I'd love to be on my own and then be able to basically have like simply cyber be my main, um, my main job. 
and then be able to do stuff like do this Google cybersecurity certificate and then tell you the value of it or not have value of it. Like, I would love that. Yeah. Very nice. Coursera does take a pay subscription. Thank you, Jenny Housley. Yeah, so I, I can't speak to this. Um, I don't know if people are looking for Google cybersecurity certifications like employers. I don't know what the curriculum is, right? Like a lot of these things are like, oh, we do all the things and then they, they go like an inch deep. Um, so I, I can't really speak to this, unfortunately. ChatGT created by OpenAI, then everyone just started creating their own, correct? Uh, yeah, on the AI, you can spin your own up. Um, probably good because people start and never finish. Yeah, exactly, Aaron Lancaster. You guys would be stunned at the metrics of the Simply Cyber GRC course. Um, how many people start and then don't finish? I mean, many of you here, I mean, it's almost, a, it's almost like a, a meme. How many, and I'm guilty of it too, how many people here own TCM courses and don't don't take them, right? It's funny. Uh, nice. Will I be able to show lab I have made in replacement for a certification for a job? Yeah, Mono J, lab work, practical hands-on skills, very, very cool. Um, you just need to um, be able, it's... It, doing the lab is only part of it. You need to be able to communicate what did you learn in the lab and how is it valuable to the employer. That's what you need to do. Okay, let's see. So do I. Dude, guys, I want so... Not so badly, but like... I want... Um, where is it? This one right here. API hacking? I desperately want to do this one. I don't have time for it, but I desperately want to do it. So anyways, what I, you know what I would really like to do? I would really, I've been thinking about this again. This is on the, the dream board of when I am my own business. What I want to do is this class, but I want to lead. I like, basically I'd be like, okay, like, all this week, I'm doing practical API hacking, and I will do, um, you know, whatever. I'll do, you know, uh, these modules Monday, these modules Tuesday. And if you want to do it alongside me, you know, like, you can do it. Like, I, I basically want to lead a course using the TCM course as the platform, right? So, like, I wouldn't disclose the content publicly, but it would be like, okay, everybody, uh, between... 8 a.m. and noon today, go through this 45 minutes of education, and then we'll, I'll do a live stream at 1 p.m., and we'll go through what we learned, or I'll show what I learned, or we can answer questions, or whatever. I haven't quite worked it out, but I, but I, that's what I want to do. I want to do that as part, but I, currently I have a full-time job, and I, I, need, I, need to, I need to make enough money, right? I need to make enough money so I can support my family, Um independently so then i can do these projects and, and stuff like that so we'll see it's just all about i can't be here's the thing guys i'm a information security professional i'm a risk manager right i cannot in good faith just quit my job <laughs> and explain to my family that you know I, I you know what i mean like it's 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 ridiculous you can't just quit your job and be like now i'm gonna do this from now on so 
But it's it's where I want to go. Yeah, we'll figure it out, guys. Yeah, John Strand's Cyber Deception Active Defense is definitely up there. Yeah, no, Jesus Christ. You, no, definitely not. I'm, I'm definitely sound-minded. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lyle Murden brings up the idea that you could just quit and go for it and like force yourself into the situation. I just have too much... I'm responsible for too much that I can't do that. <laughs> John Bruno. Um, oh, nice, Kimberly. Yeah, let us know. I've taken the active deception. So Kimberly is taking the active defense and cyber deception course from John Strand this week. If you're interested, you may not know this, but I took that class last year. And I actually made an entire video about my experience in that class. So if you're interested, boom, you can go check that out. Yeah, hold on. I'll, I'll pull it up, Dan Raven. I love Anti-Siphon. I love the people over there. I love the Black Hills people. Uh, this is it right here, guys. This is Anti-Siphon's website. I don't even know if you can still sign up, but... What's up, Kando? Welcome to the stream, Team Hybrid. What are my favorite live games that are out there? Erica Bodker asks. When you, I don't know what you mean by live games. Like, I love NHL playoffs. Is that what you mean? Um, okay, so the, this course is closed right now, but if you're in there, you're in there. You know what's up. Kimberly, thanks for being here today, then, if you're in class, too. Naughty, naughty, naughty. <laughs> yeah, oh, William. It's too soon, my friend. Too soon. All right, guys. I'm going to boogie out of here. Hold on. Any tips for an IT analyst interview? IT analyst. Um, I do not have guidance on that. I mean, I can give you information security analyst tips. Um, but I can't do IT analyst. All right. Zizus is currently help desk. What would you recommend I learn to get into cyber? What skills should I be learning? Uh, well, it depends on what role you want to do in cybersecurity. But what I would tell anyone, including Zizus Christ right here, if you are on help desk, that means you work somewhere. What I would do is I would message the information security office. I would try like heck to get an ally in the information security office, whether it's a, a SOC analyst, whether it's the CISO, right? And say, hey, I work help desk. Um, how can I help you um, with your mission, right? So like, is there something I could be telling end users about uh, when I reset passwords? Is there, is there, hey, when I, like, can you, if you guys want me to know like what your upcoming initiatives are, so when I'm out doing field engineer work, I can help right? Like basically tell the information security office that you want to help them, right? And do that with some regularity and you, you'll begin to be seen as an advocate of the information security office, which they'll love. Plus you'll establish rapport. Plus they'll start to know that you're interested. Plus when an opportunity comes up or an entry level gig, they're not even going to post it because they're going to ask you if you want it because you're already beginning to do that work. You're a known commodity 
Again, I don't know when that budget would come up. I don't know when that job happens, but that's how you need to do it. You basically um, integrate yourself into their operation. That's how I would do it. What tips for an IT security analyst interview? Check this out. I got you, Dash. Um, dash, 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 dash. Check this out. This is 12 incredible SOC analyst interview questions and answers, okay? Now, it says SOC analyst, but the questions are slightly um, generic, okay? Go go to this video, for real, okay? And check, I wanna, like, this is crazy. You're gonna, you're gonna love this, okay? Watch this. This isn't even make-believe, because I was looking at this earlier today, or earlier uh, this weekend. Check this out. This guy right here, I, I know you can't see it because it's tight in here, but this guy right here. Oh my God. Oh my, what is this? Where's my, ready? This guy, I crushed my third and final interview because of this job. Next comment. Um, uh, I have an entry-level job interview at 10.30 a.m. It's 5.30 a.m. right now. I'm listening. Comes back and replies to all. I did get the job. Right? There's a bunch of people who comment in here and say that they got the job because of the, of the um, interview. I mean, because of this video. Like, this particular video. Okay, so Dash, go check this video out. It's helping people. It's helping a lot of people. I'm very proud of that particular video. All right, guys. Now, for reals, I got to go. Thank you all very much. We'll see you at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Be good. Stay safe. And until next time, stay secure. Yeah.